Episodes of the dojo. I walked into the studio, balloons, confetti everywhere. Yeah, felt Absolutely. good. That's the Asian side of you that got us to 100. We want to thank uh, Bill Burr and Al Madrigal for giving us this great opportunity. It's Absolutely, so much fun. All things comedy. Our producer Aaron. Gotta I can't believe everybody. we're at 100. By the way, Patrick, when did you join us? When did you jump in? What episode? Uh, probably about 98. But we, Patrick, has been a welcome add to our show. Absolutely. Steve yeah. and I started doing it solo. We realized. Maybe the show is jumping the shark a little bit, so we decided to bring in a cousin Oliver, which is our Patrick <laughs> Keen, Ted McGinley. Yes, <laughs> our Ted McGinley. Uh, so I got to tell you, it's it's hard to believe that we have been doing this almost two years. Absolutely crazy. So I'm excited. By the way, we have a great guest on today's show. We couldn't be happier. Oh my gosh, and we're thrilled for our guest today. And, um, and for the hundredth episode, we have saved probably our biggest front loader for today. So we're excited. And by the way, not only do we have a great guest for today, Patrick, yeah. but some great guests on the horizon. We, we have do. coming up in a couple of weeks, Robert O'Neill. That's right. Who wrote uh, that great book about being the Navy SEAL. His experience, yeah. Who in, shot uh, Osama bin Laden. Yeah. I heard him on the Howard Stern show. I was like, oh my gosh, we got to get this guy. So he's coming to do our show. He's happy to do it, he said. He's happy to His do it. Said. Brand new book out. Yeah. Uh, uh, one of the guests that I'm excited about moving forward Chris Hansen. Chris Hansen will be good. Chris Hansen. You, we know him from previous. We both got caught up well, in we, him. We, we can't we, get on talk about it on air. We know we him know from him. a previous joke of mine, and he's into a new season of a show called Crime Watch Daily, Absolutely. which is coming into its second season this fall. Okay, well, but we got a welcome to the dojo. Episode number one. Number zero, 100. Zero. It's a very special yes. episode, and we couldn't be more thrilled to have our guest, Mr. Vince Vaughn, ladies wow. and gentlemen. There he is. Thank Very you for... nice to be in the JoJo. You know, it's, it's bigger than it sounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, thank you for making the drive. It's very I spacious mean... in here. But did, did you ever and think? Although I can tell it's somewhat combative, there's an air of respect. Did you ever think, as a kid, Vince, that this would be a career highlight for you coming into this show, a podcast that reaches you know, tens it didn't of people? Exist. There was no gentleman's JoJo when I was a, oh. a kid. There was just dojos. Oh, I see. So I didn't have the imagination to come up with this creative of a space to even know that this could be a possibility. Had I imagined the gentleman's JoJo, yes, I would have. Realize and, that that would be a highlight. And we certainly know that you have a new movie coming out that you could go on Fallon and Colbert and promote, but why do that when we're going to push this thing to almost four listeners? There's no reason <laughs> to fly to New York, Vince, when right here you're reaching as many people as you can. You hadn't That's done right. enough for Steve. <laughs> when it's left for promotional purposes and just to sort of uh, visit with you guys. There yeah. it is. I like it. Well, Vince, thank you so much for calling in. Um, obviously, let's just let's just talk right off the bat about um, about your new film coming out, you have Brawl and Cell Block ninety nine. Uh, the the director, his name is Craig Zoller. Is that is that the right way of saying it? Yeah, that's his name. It's a it's a, he did that movie Bone Tomahawk, which was very cool. A great. And this is very similar. You know, it's very character driven, but then it has a great action stuff, and it's very uh, the violence in it is very, you know, much more than you see in a in a, in a traditional movie. So. Um, he puts together very cool films. Yeah, it, it's really, it looks amazing. And the headline in Entertainment Weekly says, Vince Vaughn, as you've never seen him before, 
and you see the still and you look like a badass, the poster, you look like a badass. There's a lot of violence in this. There's a lot of fighting in this. You've trained in the past as a boxer, and Craig is very complimentary in terms of saying, you know, that you guys have, have had shots where you're going, you know, 10, 15, 20 punches at a time in terms of choreographing it. How, how much did boxing, your, your past in boxing, play into uh, an attribute in this film? Well, it helped. You know, I had always boxed a little younger, just would go down to train. And, you know, back then we used to spar a lot just with other guys in the gym. You know, we'd, we'd keep it under control, but still we didn't know anything about concussions. So I don't know how healthy it was every day to kind of be sparring. Um, but it definitely helped me with this that I was able to kind of, you know, when you do these larger sequences, they're almost like dance routines are very choreographed. And uh, when you're doing it with kind of one camera, or two cameras and you're kind of capturing everything at once you know it's all sort of timing and stuff so so it was fun to do that and uh, i think it definitely gave me at least a foundation to be able to to uh, prepare for the uh, for the character and how excited now, are let's, you? Get, let's get off of this subject which has been a great subject and let's talk about you gentlemen how is it here <laughs> 100th, 100th episode wow well i mean we're excited we we have some great guests lined up in the future we we've had some great guests in the past. Now, we know you're a fan. What's been your favorite episode of the dojo? There's so I'm many. Sh- listen, I'm sure Vince... To be Vince- honest with you, I haven't listened to enough of these to pick a favorite. <laughs> listen, but I, I mean... I'm glad, you know, I think it's a feat that you two... I know how, how Gary, you like to rib Steve. I think it's a feat that you guys have lasted 100 episodes. That is true. I agree, I agree with that. That is true. Physical fight in the dojo. That is true. I mean, because I, I will say, p- friends come up to me and they say, because you, you've known us, Vince, but friends will come up and say, when has Steve had enough that he's just had enough of you jabbing and jabbing and making fun of low ticket sales and this, that, and the other thing? <laughs> and I there was a moment a couple of months ago when Steve called me on a Monday and I texted him a bunch of times, never wrote me back. And he finally called me, he said, can we talk? And I was like, <laughs> sure, what's going on? And he's like, you know, we're going to be friends forever. But I got to tell you, in Ohio, you're being a big pain in the ass. And I was like, I get it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that's good. He communicated. He, he communicated off with the positive, saying that you'll always be friends. Yes. And then he gave you the uh, issues. You guys are like a couple that's successfully gone through therapy. That's a nice. I'm glad to hear you're communicating that. Way. I will say <laughs> Sullivan and Son, which you and I met on, was the only show yes. that I could ever do warm up on and make fun of the cast as I was in the audience. No other show. Would, I would I could never be in the audience at Conan and be like, hey, look at that piece of shit. But yet I could do it at Sullivan and Son, <laughs> and it was perfectly acceptable. Nobody cared. It was great. Yes. You couldn't do that at Dr. That's Ken? That's right. That was sort of the climate. I would assume, Vince, by you're getting ready to train in these great boxing scenes. See, I transition back to your movie. You're getting ready to train, and I assume instead of putting on like a great Fiona Apple song, you put on one of the Dojo episodes. Is that possible? It could be possible. I haven't thought about it. I might have to. I might have to blast that in next time I do some training. Um, keep you, me pumped up. Keep an acidic, sure. acidic tone in the air. Make it. Make it. Make an atmosphere where I realize that no one's safe. That could really work. You fought in several films now. What's the most physically taxing movie that you've done? Physically taxing. This brawl was pretty physically taxing, the last one. Uh, Hacksaw Ridge was, was physically taxing to some degree just because of all the um, you know gear and stuff and running around and the battle sequences and stuff. But, uh, you know, it's all, it's all kind of fun and ultimately, and it's, it's uh, you know, always uh, 
nice to be doing things that are different and, and not repeating the same stuff. Yeah, what is, what it is like? the most physical taxing episode you guys have done? <laughs> <in the dojo? laughs> is there any sort of routine of like a, you know, do you guys break it up like a, like someone in a cubicle where you realize you got to walk a little bit and touch your toes? You guys have sugar the whole time you're talking in the dojo. <laughs> Vince, I, I got to ask you, because you're going back to back with this director, Craig Zoller. Your, your, your next film is Dragged Across the Concrete with Mel Gibson. What is it that, obviously you guys have a chemistry, there's a rapport there. What is it you appreciate about him as a filmmaker to go back to back? And not only that, to go with a, a director you just worked with, with Mel Gibson, to go from working on one side of the camera to the other side with him as well. Well, it's so hard to find. I mean, Craig Zoller is very unique in that he was a novelist originally, wrote some great Western novels as well as some others. Um, and he's had a full, multiple careers. He was an animated uh, animator. He was a cinematographer. He just doesn't cease to amaze you as far as um, the things that he's allowed himself to get interested in. And uh, he kind of brings them all together. There's, there's two original songs in Brawl and Cell Block 99 that he wrote. Wow. Uh, and he has the OJs, the band the OJs, uh, perform the songs. Um, he's also in a, in a band. I mean, it, it starts to feel like the most interesting man in the world with yeah. his daughter. <laughs> Um, but he's just, he's a unique voice. You know, what's interesting is he's, he's written a lot of screenplays throughout the years and he would never take notes. Uh, he just really kind of investigates things creatively and knows what he likes and he would never compromise his screenplays in order to get them made. And so it made it challenging for him. I mean, he sat out for many years writing screenplays that sold that were always on a, a thing called the blacklist that were like screenplays that were you know, kind of well-regarded in town that hadn't been made, and he just wouldn't—he just wouldn't take any notes or make any changes that he didn't believe in. And in fact, when they made the first western, Bone Tomahawk, when I heard the budget, I couldn't believe it. This was a western with horses and stuff, and they shot the movie for under two million dollars, and like in 21 days. And when I saw it, it was, you know, very original filmmaking in that the guy allows a pace that's kind of lets you get to know characters. Um, the acting's very subtle and understated. It's sort of a mashup of genres, and it's just all kind of becomes an original voice. So Brawl, when I read that script, was one of the best scripts I've read, and it's sort of, you know, the movie has really good character and performance moments, and then it has this element where the fighting is sort of done almost kung fu style, although my character doesn't know kung fu, but the style of it is. It's got thriller and, and horror elements. He's just he's just very unique, and so this Dragged Across Concrete's a a really, really good script. This movie will be released by Lionsgate. Uh, the other, the other movie, Brawl, as well as uh, um, the Bone Tomahawk movie. They're, you know, they're longer than most movies, and I don't know that they would get. Neither of them would probably get an R rating. Their violence is probably more extreme than that. So it's harder for those to get a traditional re release. This, this one, Dragged, will be rated R. But uh, I just find him to be, you know, at a time where everything's a sequel, or people are looking to you know, push, quote-unquote, an IP through the marketplace. He's really taking his time and telling character stories, so I find it very interesting and fun to be a part of it. Excited to well, see it. The uh, Vince, the, the 90s, when you got your start, the, the Swingers movies, the Kevin Smith movies, Wes Anderson, Damon and Affleck movies, like all these young careers where actors took it upon themselves to write, direct, produce their own project, everyone seemed to, like, you, you understood at a young age, wow, we need to take this upon ourselves. Was that a result of, like, frustration with not getting the jobs you wanted, not getting enough work, or did you guys just feel we can do better 
Like, what was the impetus for that? Yeah, I guess, you know, I think I'd like, to, I think it's important to give yourself permission to create stuff. You know, there's something in being an actor that you're sort of waiting and auditioning for other material. It's sort of the nature of it. But I think what happened was we felt that some of the material wasn't as, it's hard, I think it's sometimes it's people of that age who create stories that are sort of relevant for exactly what's going on versus people who might be some removed, not, not always, but it feels like if there's a voice of that age that you can kind of write to what's going on in the culture at that time. And you see it with stand-ups too, like right now, there's a lot of great stand-ups and they give themselves permission to write um, and to do and perform constantly. And it's sort of, you know, I always like it if stand-ups, if they have ambition to sort of take it upon themselves to create um, their own, whether it's a television show or film or something, because a lot of times people say, oh, the stand-up's successful, people pay to watch them, let's plug them into a script or plug them into an idea, but sometimes there's something unorganic about trying to fit someone so unique you know, into something sort of general. A lot of times when the comedians themselves are involved in the, the actual screenplay and, and write to their voice, you'll have a higher success rate. I mean, Woody Allen yeah. was, a, was a stand-up, right? And he sort of created Annie Hall and tons of movies, but he had such an interesting point of view and perspective. And, you know, he was just using a different medium to write. So I think whenever there's, there, it's always, I, I think, good for people to kind of create their own path. And, and nowadays I feel like it's so much easier just because, you know, the equipment, the ability to shoot things, it's a lot less expensive and more tangible. Vince, would you consider Steve a great stand-up? Gary. I would. <laughs> you Gary. would. I would. I think Steve's really, um, I've always really been a fan of Steve. We put him on the Wild West thing. There's something very original just in his life experience, mm. and the way that he grew up, and I think he speaks to that. So I think he definitely has um, original points of view on things, and he, you can't, can't really peg him as far as putting him in a category. He sort of has opinions and ideas from different angle. So I like that. Um, I think whenever you watch him, it's always surprising to see where he turns and where he goes. Why do you think he can't sell tickets? Gary. <laughs> okay, Vince, I got to ask you. <laughs> we can agree to disagree. This is Vince. just, this has been a hundred episodes. <laughs> we can agree to disagree. hundred episodes of this shit. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. I'm, I'm texting you right now from Ohio. Um, Vince, you, you obviously started your career off with some really dramatic roles. And then, you made the pivot, uh, obviously, I think, pe because people saw what you did in Swingers to being this great romantic comedic lead. And now you're making a pivot f from True Detective to Heart to uh, Hacksaw to Cell Block 99. Do you feel like your career is kind of coming full circle back to that uh, serious dramatic actor? Yeah, you know, I, I don't know if I would say that I'm. You know, it's funny because when we did Swingers, it was kind of it was comedic, but it was grounded. You know, it's not mm -hmm. not a broad movie. Um, and then uh, Made was another one that we did um, that was kind of you know comedic and you know, but not so broad. It was funny because when Old School came to me, Todd Phillips offered me Old School. I remember the studio. I hadn't done real a lot of comedies. Um, and they said, oh, we don't know if you can do comedy. It'd be funny. That's crazy now. Because I just hadn't done yeah, that much. I had done more kind of dramatic stuff or kind of independent stuff. So that was interesting for me to hear because I had, you know, kind of started even doing improv and stuff younger. And then I think, you know, I had a, I started doing these comedies and stuff and a lot of rated R comedies, which I enjoyed. Then it kind of shifted into things. But 
you know, I think sometimes you get, if something works or clicks, you kind of get, they want to keep putting you in that, and maybe you kind of get known for that, and then it's upon you to sort of try to expand that. I just got to a stage for me where I was much more excited to try different things. It doesn't mean um, I wouldn't go back and do something comedic if it was something I was excited about, but I'm at a stage where I have kids and a, you know, I'm family so i have to be really excited about a project you know in order to want to go do it and and um it's more just trying to do things that i'm more excited about i feel like i got into a stage where i was kind of going and doing some of these movies and i just wasn't as conscious i i was going into them and i maybe wasn't having as high of a standard or as strong of a point of view creatively um going in not that i wouldn't always do my best and you'd be optimistic about the project but i think i just have you know, developed into kind of higher standards and wanting to selfishly, you know, try different things. You know, cell block, I got to do something very different and got to work and have an accent and, you know, things that I haven't done in a while. So uh, I just am enjoying kind of trying to mix it up. How, how many scripts are you presented in a month? I mean, how many do you get and see and how many are great? How many are junk? I mean, what's what's kind of the thought? I don't know. It just depends. You know, sometimes you get more scripts than others, but you try to give them a chance. You know, I remember, you never know, like Brawl was something that came to me that wasn't overly on everyone's radar, and I had read it and just thought, this is terrific, and that's sort of what led me to seeing Bone Tomahawk. So you just never know when a good script or an interesting filmmaker is going to present itself. Vince, you've had a, a, a an enormous career. I mean, decade, you know, two decades now. Um, and there's peaks and valleys, obviously. You've maintained relevance. Um, but throughout the highs, the highs are always great, but uh, I've always found that sometimes in failure or um, in, in those in those valleys, um, that that's where you you gain motivation in terms of moving towards that next project. What, is, what has failure taught you over the course of your career, and how do you apply it moving forward to the next project for yourself or, or, or continuing uh, throughout the course of your career? Well, gosh, as an actor, or, you know, you know Steve or stand-up or anything, all you guys know, it's all, most of it's failure, right? When you start, meaning you have to start to define failure and success, I think, differently. Mm-hmm. But as far as, you know, most times you didn't get the parts, you'd audition and you start off that way, it's very challenging. Um, so I think you have to kind of define for yourself, it has to be about your own effort, right? Like the knowing if you did the best you could, then you were successful. Um, you could do something and have it work, but you really didn't, you know, put your most into it. I don't know that that's successful. So I think it has to be defined. You start to learn as a, you know, that you really success is, a, I guess that John Wooden quote, the direct feeling you get knowing you did the best you could to be the best you could be at what you were doing. So... But as far as dealing with things that don't work or disappointments, you know, you just have to keep moving forward. Hopefully you learn from those things. But sometimes those things are worth it if, you know, you're trying to do something that's not necessarily um, such a commercial shot. You know, it depends on what you're what you're attempting. Mm-hmm. depends, you know, if you're trying to do something that you're looking to sell a lot of tickets to or if you're looking to do something that in your own mind you think is interesting or value so but i think you always learn more when things don't go well that's for sure because it forces you to look at yourself um or your process i guess and there's a delicate balance right of you know 
even being in this, a stand-up comedian, you, you, you got to look at it, but then you sort of have to have a short memory, too. Like, you can't, there's a balance between learning from it and then also moving on and expecting it to go well the next time. So you, you have to have a way to kind of look at stuff, but not not overly dwell on it either. Right. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of learning going on in stand-up with the the failure. It's like a quarterback throwing a pick six. It's like you've got to get right back on the horse, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, because uh, then you've got to perform the next night or whatever, so you are you got to have the, a balance of an evaluation and anal- analyzing stuff, but it can't be paralyzing. Yeah. Are, are you somebody, too, Vince, that likes to go to a movie that's opening that Friday and sit in the back with the audience and just kind of see what their reaction is to it? Um, you mean my own movies? Yeah. I don't watch my own movies that much. Once or twice, this brawl I'll see a few times because we're going to some festivals, the Venice Film Festival in Toronto and a bunch of festivals in London, so that's always nice. Um, so that's fun to go and, and be a part of that uh, and watch it in a crowd that way. But once you've made a movie, you sort of, you know, you spend so much time on it, you kind of, you know, you watch it. And you don't really revisit it too much. I, I I do like sometimes on opening night to go out and sit in the back with the audience in a crowd, you know, drive around with some friends and kind of check it out. Uh, and with comedies, that's always fun because it's you know such a such a reaction and laughter and stuff. So, um, but yeah, I don't. I I, I may go early and, and sort of check it out with the crowd, but then I sort of I don't really revisit it. What what movie have you done that you've watched the most? Boy, I don't know. I don't think I've seen any of them more than maybe oh, wow. three or four times. Wow. Unless I was, unless, you know, you, like I said, you were going to festivals or things things like that. But I don't really watch them all that much. I don't know. Steve, do you, watch your, you guys watch your stand-up specials more than Well, nobody much? watches that stuff. Scary. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know. Patrick had a question. I have a feeling someone's going to get Jesus. iced, and then we're going to have another phone call <laughs> about how to treat each other. And this kind of conversation is going to start off, we might be friends. <laughs> we might be friends forever. <laughs> and then the next time is it's not looking like we're going to be friends. It is. It, Let's part company. It is. Like we have a working relationship. <laughs> there, there's no friendship here. <laughs> it's, it's funny, though. Stand-up is like when you're on stage alone suffering, it is like the scene in Return to Paradise where you're yelling at Joaquin going, you are not alone right now. Like, <laughs> he's about to die, and, like, it's your buddy in the back, the only one laughing, and that's what it is. Uh, you narrated the uh, 30 for 30 on the Bears, which was fantastic. Is that something they came to you with, or do you make your interests known? Yeah, they came to us. We actually produced that movie as well, uh, the uh, about the 85 Bears, and that Jason, the director, did a great job with that uh, piece. Uh, that was fun. Uh, you know, obviously growing up in that area, that team was so important in my childhood, so it was nice to be a part of that. It's incredible because Mike Ditka won one, Jordan wins six, but, but Ditka seems to be so Chicago, so much more than well, it's Jordan. It's the better would. steakhouse, I think. <laughs> um, Vince, when you're in the finish I know, line. I think Jordan's still such a part of the fabric and as, you know, as, as well, too. Um, I do think that team, though, that one year with the Bears, that with so many personalities, it was just such a unique season. There was... There was just so much intrigue to that to those personalities between the fridge and Peyton and McMahon. There was just so many personalities on that team. How tough was it to crack the story on the '85 Bears? Because it's it's one thing to do a doc on them, but the angle that you guys took in producing it and then narrating it, it was it was amazing. It's one of the best thirty for thirties. I'm not just saying that. Yeah, most of the credit really does go to the director Jason, who really came up with the the game plan on it. But I I think the point of view was, you know, you sort of went through this letter with with buddy and 
and uh, you know, sort of, uh, you could see the bond that these players had underneath that, you know, which is something that you hear about a lot. But I think you got to really see the investment that they had in each other, which was really moving. I got to ask you. This is this is the last question, Vince, and I think this this might get a little personal, but I think we should air it out here. Okay. Pittsburgh Penguins have won three cups. The Blacks, Blackhawks have won three cups. <laughs> I'm a Pittsburgh guy. You're a Chicago guy. Pittsburgh did win the cup back-to-back, and they have gotten the finals one more time. They did lose it, so they've gotten to the big dance four times. They won it three times. I would say on paper that the Pens are the better team in terms of this generation of players with Taze and Kane, that tandem, and Crosby and Malkin. Pittsburgh's tandem. What do you say? Well, I think it's fair to say you might be a little biased. (laughs) (laughs) Aren't you you like on commercials for the NHL doing the Roger Rabbit or the Penguin or something to the Penguins? You know, Vince, I take the work I can get. (laughs) Okay? Steve's not on any TV. But I'm just saying, I think it says maybe you, I mean, you're literally like like dancing as if you're on the Mickey Mouse Club when the Penguins (laughs) win the Cup. So I think you might be somewhat biased. But I think they both have done a great job, both organizations. I think what's interesting is that the, the Blackhawks have been fairly consistent. I think the Penguins won their first cup before the Hawks won theirs. Mm-hmm. And the Hawks have been kind of consistent throughout, where the Penguins sort of won one and then has gone through a couple coaches yep. um, since then. And this, what's more interesting, I think, now is with this new coach, they've, they've won two and they've won it back-to-back. So I think if you were to look over that time span, you'd have to say the Hawks have been, you know, more consistent, same coach, same core. You know, Kessel's a new ad, which really made a difference. I mean, I think he gets, I think the Canadian press is always a little more biased in favor of Canadian players. You know, not that, not that, you know, they're not great, but I think sometimes guys like Kessel, who is obviously just a clutch player and just performs, I don't know that he always gets his due as much as he deserves. Um, but I think if you look at the Pittsburgh team right now and over the last two years, you'd have to say that these last two years, obviously they've dominated it, but it's a, it's sort of a, a newer group, a newer organization with, you know, different chemistry. They had a Genla for a while they brought in and they were sort of wandering a little bit after that first cup. So I think they are really in a great place now, but I think the Hawks have been from the time they've won until this, until this stage, they've really been consistent. They've, they've always been there and, you know, they've never gone too easily except this last year with Nashville, and Nashville turned out, obviously, to go to the finals. But um, the Hawks have been pretty pretty consistent. But, they've, look, they've both done well. But uh, I think I think it's harder to evaluate them because, like I said, Pittsburgh sort of was off the map after that first win for a good four or five years until they kind of got reorganized. Fair? Well, you, fair. I, I think that's the dream scenario. I'd love to see these two end up in the finals. But it is the 100th episode we cannot thank you enough for taking time out of your day to call in and hang out with us. We really appreciate it. Well, it's great to be with you gentlemen there in the dojo. Yes. <laughs> I wish you guys another hundred. By the way, we're, I hope Steve, the friendship can stay intact. <laughs> Counting Vince, on it. Did you really see Steven a rabbit commercial? Like, I'm, I'm fascinated because Steve no, probably it, does stuff for public access that we don't even know about. Okay, Gary. <laughs> well, what it was is I remember watching an NHL playoff game and they were talking about how fans go crazy and love the NHL. And then there was my friend Steven Joseph Burns. <laughs> <laughs> and the Penguins jersey, jersey doing the running man. Oh, okay. That's what happened, Okay, yes. okay. Celebrating the fact that the Penguins had won a game. Non-union. 
Gary would consider that a credit, <laughs> but for me it's... I think that was a non-union gig. I don't think Steve got paid. Okay. <laughs> Vince, Did thank you. Did you not see that, Gary? I didn't, no. no Gary no, doesn't no. have... Gary can't afford cable. I can't afford... Um, well, we have got something to look up now. No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't watch Steve on TV. <laughs> Gary, thank you so much, Vince. Vince. So let me ask you guys a question. Sure. What, sure. what is your goals for the next 100, 100 episodes? Oh, wow. What do we want to do, huh? Friendship, camaraderie. Yeah. Um... Just, just the spirit of knowing that somebody's got your back. As I look at, at Gary, and I, I really hope that Gary at some point ends up on Conan O'Brien show. It's, at, at oh, that point. I am, on a late night talk show. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think at the end of the day, it is funny, Vince, because as much as we jab each other, the minute we're alone and it's just the two of us, we do become this very romantic. You know, <laughs> like I could be talking to Steve and you know be making fun of him hard, and then the minute everybody walks away, I'll be like, I'm really looking forward to doing Tampa next weekend with you. <laughs> <laughs> You know I love you, buddy. <laughs> well, in our generation, that was always a sign of a friend you could trust, someone who would make fun of you and make fun of you publicly. So, yes, uh, <laughs> that's true. It feels like the foundation is intact. We all love you, Congratulations, gentlemen. gentlemen. Thank and, you, Vince. Uh, I wish you uh, continued success. Thank and, you so much. And we're excited about your movie coming out next month. Can't wait. Take care, pal. Vince Vaughn, ladies and gentlemen. Episode number 100, there it is. The 100th episode of the Dojo uh, I by, mean, that by the way, by is the way, as cool as it gets. It, it's so great, and uh, I think Patrick has already lined up somebody for episode number two hundred, Carson Palmer. <laughs> so we're excited to get that guy come twenty nineteen. Couldn't be a greater way to ring in the hundredth yeah. episode. Yeah, than yeah, yeah. Not only just a great guy, but like literally like a national treasure. I mean, you go out with that guy anywhere, and people just instantly well, yeah, he's love him. So recognizable. All those iconic films, and that's that's a guy you could have on, I, I think, for two or three hours and just ask him until you bleed the rock dry. But uh, what a Do great Do you think the, the breakup is the, uh, the, the the fan favorite amongst women? That's got to be his movie, The Breakup. Uh, it might be. I mean, he, I, he and Anson had great on camera. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fantastic movie. I got to tell you, though, uh, like as Swingers is like the movie I oh, think supreme, we all yeah. – Kind of grew up watching, like, oh, that's that's it. That you want to go out with that. I mean, that who had doubts about Vince doing comedy when they were doing old school? I mean, he had done yeah. swingers at that point. It's like that's one of the top comedies of the '90s, you know. But there are comedy clubs that have doubts that Steve can do comedy. Okay, so what was I saying? Made is the film. <laughs> Made is the film. You got to go back and watch because I remember watching oh, yeah. Made, and I was like, man, he's just kind of like. He's so grating on Favreau after seeing Swingers, and I think you you go into it with these expectations of it being like Swingers, and 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 if you go at it just knowing it's a completely different film, it's fucking hilarious, and I think Made is as funny, if not funnier, than Swingers. Knowing, oh wow, uh, you know, given it a few years after after seeing Swingers, you know, absolutely. But we got to thank Vince Vaughn for calling in. Yep. Um, so the one hundredth episode of the Gentleman's Dojo. Now, where can they find you online, Gary? Well, they can find me at uh, Canon Comedy. There you go. Okay, and Keen at Citizen Keen, and uh, on YouTube as well at Keen of Comedy. Let me just say this: yep. we are so thankful that Patrick has jumped into the dojo. He's filled this third seat nicely. We did open auditions for months trying to find somebody to fill this chair. Yeah, we couldn't find anybody. This is the guy we picked. His life changed forever at that as a, point. As a so, black lesbian, it was good to be was, brought in here to fill a we quota. Are, we are so happy to have you. Yeah. He's he looks added, like he just got divorced and she took everything. Doesn't he? <laughs> he, I've he never asked, seen him with the five o'clock shadow and the hair disheveled. I knew Patrick was our choice for the third chair when he asked Jonathan Allen if Hillary Clinton declared her candidacy <laughs> on SNL. That's what I knew. Here's a man that does not do research. By the way, a great episode. <laughs> 
Jonathan that was a great Allen. episode. Yes. Yeah, that was great. Author of Shattered. Yeah. Yes. The story of the Hillary Clinton campaign. Uh, we've had a, a number of great episodes, and we cannot thank you guys for listening. Please go to iTunes, rate us, review us, let us know what you think of the show. These next 100 episodes, we've convened. We promise we're going to be get you a better dojo than ever before. These next Amazing. 100 are going to be great. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you to Vince Vaughn. Thanks to all our past guests. Gary, what has been your favorite episode of wow. the Wow, wow. I got to tell you, I mean, you know, it's crazy. I know this one probably won't stick out a lot, but I, I really enjoyed talking to the creator of Yars Revenge. Yeah, Howard Atari Warshaw. Game Over. Yeah, because I love that movie. Great doc. Growing up, loving Atari. I mean, that was one of my maybe top five, ten favorites. We've had so many great ones. How about you, Ken? Uh, you know, I like the, the the guy we brought in who directed, uh, who directs presently, uh, to, uh, not The Big Bang Theory. Mark Sandowski. Yeah, 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 that was a great one. Great, great energy. Yeah. Um, I got to say, off the top of my head, your mom calling in, mm-hmm. probably my favorite one. Um, the first one. I would say Peter Billingsley because he's such a great friend. And then obviously getting to 100 and having Vince Vaughn on, I think Vince is probably my favorite. But by the way, I'm sure if we go back and look at some of the ones we've done, we would have forgotten some of the, just because we've done so many. You forget that, oh, I, this one was great. This one yeah. was great. There Gene Kelly's really... widow, uh, Patricia Kelly, she was fantastic. What a great episode Phil that was. Phil Lewis was great. Phil Lewis, great. Great television director and actor himself. We but had Dick Gregory and Jerry Lewis scheduled for uh, for done. this month. What a shame! Yeah, yeah. Great, well, great, great time to talk about death. The, ge- <laughs> <laughs> the gentleman's dojo, one hundred episodes. Gary, it's been a pleasure working with Thank you, you all. Hundred, Keen. We are so glad to have you on board. Thank you all for listening. Rate us, review us, follow us. Thank you so much. <laughs>